says one thing that God is intimately involved in every moment and second of our lives and he really wants the best for us but sometimes to get the best to us we've got to go through some tough stuff <laughs> that is unfortunately what it is tonight I want to share with you just something a very odd title but I really believe it's going to speak to each one of us because I believe this is what God wants us to do and the title of what I want to share with you tonight is let us run with giants <laughs> And I'm talking about giants of the faith. And just welcome to all our YouTube and Facebook Googlers there. <laughs> Who's that? Um, it's good to have you with us as well. But as we talk about let us run with giants, we're talking about giants of the faith. And the Bible is so full of, of so many of these stories of these incredible people that have done great things. But you know, it's not only the people in the Bible. Because let me tell you, there are giants of the faith in this very modern day and age of ours as well. People that have stood the test of time. I mean, we read their books like Spurgeon's book and Dale Moody and Wesley and all of these great men of God. People that have run and we look at their lives and we think, what is it about their lives that I need to emulate? What did Paul say? Follow me like I follow Jesus. What a giant of the faith Paul was. And many of us read his letters and we try and become in, in a mold, like we become like Jesus with the direction that the Word of God has given us. But you know, when I, when I wrote that, let us run with giants, I want to say this. There needs to be a real substance of God's DNA in a Christian's life. You know, if, if they took my hair and they stuck it in a tube like they do in these places where they hoi DNA and, and they check it out, they will know that's me, it belongs to me, I was there on that scene, whatever. That's what DNA does. But if it were potentially possible that we can pull out a hair out of your inner man, <laughs> and, and, and they checked it, you know what they should find? They should find it full of Jesus. We need to have that substance of God in our lives. And that's what I want to talk to us tonight. Living that substance that God has in our lives. And so I make this statement. Never mind about should you or shouldn't you. The question really is this to all of us. Will you or won't you? We need to make a choice in our life. And it's all about making a choice. And I always say this. You've got to be so careful what you pray for. Because you might just get what you pray for. But be prepared when you pray. I mean, how many times have we, have we heard sermons and we've got up and we've prayed and said, Lord, I want to walk deeper with you, Father. I want, to, I want more wisdom, Lord. I want, more, I want to grow spiritually. I want patience, Lord. I want to persevere, Lord. Give me strength to do this stuff. And guess what? Tomorrow your whole world falls apart. Why? Because God is answering your prayer. Hello. <laughs> and you say, what is going on here now? Lord, can I cancel that prayer, please? <laughs> Sometimes we feel we should do that. But I want to say this tonight. We must never end or stop in praying bold prayers to God. Never stop. We need to go to God and pray for bold prayers to God so that He can inspire us to greater heights and deeper depths because God wants to. Can I just ask you this? How many of you, or let me say, when last did you go on your knees and pray 
some bold prayer. When last did you pray a bold prayer? And say, Lord, no matter what comes, no matter what comes of this, Lord, I'm trusting you. I'm trusting with bold prayers tonight. Reaching further than I am right now. We need to be desiring a deeper growth with God. I'm talking about running with giants. That's what God wants us to do. He wants us to run with giants. But let me tell you something. There's a price always attached to those prayers. But it will be worth it in the end. It is always worth it in the end. In, in the race of life, I don't think um, that, we, we, that we're alone. And, and we're never ever hopeless. Ever. Because God is with us. Listen to Romans 5 verse 14. says this. For everything that was written in the past was written for a reason. And the reason is it was written to teach us. Everything that was written was written to teach us. So I want to say everything that was written from Genesis to maps <laughs> was written to teach us something. And it is, why? So that through endurance, or that word is perseverance, same word, that through endurance or perseverance, taught that we get taught from these scriptures, and that we're going to draw encouragement, and then it's going to provide us with incredible hope. So when I read the Word of God, I see the giants of the faith. I see the mistakes they made. I saw the flops they made. But I also see the great things they did, that they did and lived. They're no different to you and I. I think James was the one who said, when you look at Elijah, he was a man like you and I. Let me tell you something. God is just looking for people that will run like a giant for him. You know, when I read Hebrews 12 verse 1, Paul starts up that scripture with, therefore. But you know, I said this last week on perseverance. When you look at chapter 11, and I don't know how many of you went home to go and read chapter 11. Do yourself a favor. Go and read chapter 11, the faith chapter about the giants of the faith. But after he had told us what they were like and what they went through, and by faith they did this, and by faith, and you see the dynamic stuff God did in and through their lives in chapter 11, Paul then ends up writing the letter. Now you must know, this was a briefie that he wrote. Uh, the letters that Paul wrote didn't have chapter 1, number 12, whatever. It was just a letter. The translator put it into different categories as they wrote the Bible. But listen to this. Hebrews 12 verse 1, which is a continuation of Hebrews 11. When he finishes Hebrews 11, he starts with verse 12, chapter, uh, chapter 12 verse 1. He says, Therefore, what I've just said, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of giants <laughs> or witnesses, we are surrounded by such a great, and I'm talking to my, tonight about let's run with giants. Since we are surrounded with such a great crowd of witnesses, these witnesses I've just told you about. Then he encourages us, the church, that's us. This is what we should be doing. He said, let us throw off everything that is hindering us. And whatever sin is so easily entangling our lives. He says, let us get, get done with that stuff, he's saying. And let us, here's the word, run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us. Say with me, there's a race marked out for me. You better believe it. The day you said yes to Jesus, your race was marked out for you. And God wants you to run that race. And tonight I'm here to encourage you to run that race with the giants of the faith. To be, be a real giant in the faith. If you do what others don't do, well, you will get what others won't get. Amen. <laughs> Let's just press in their way. Hebrews 10.35 says this. 
So don't throw away your confidence. Why? The Bible says you will be richly rewarded. Because that verse is encouraging us to run and it's encouraging us to win. I, I, I read a, a thing the other day by Theodore Roosevelt and I thought to myself, this is so true. And, and it just separates. Well, I'm going to say the goats from the sheep. Or the scarper met bokneigens, whatever you, you like best. But listen what he said here. He said, it's not the critic who counts. And there are so many of them. Always critical about everything. He says, it's not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles. Or where the doer of deeds could have done better. Isn't it amazing? We always got everybody. It's amazing how we can tell everybody else how they should live and we don't look at ourselves. Because we judge people by our... By, 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 uh, by their actions, and we judge ourselves by our intentions. I don't intend to be a fark like that, but you know what? I am actually, but I'm telling him he mustn't. And it's so easy for us to tell people how to live, but we don't live it ourselves. Amen. Or ain't not. It's the truth. Listen, the credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena. Not the one that's sitting in the pavilion going, I'll tell you what, when you think of rugby or these sports, I mean, everybody's got a view. Everybody's got an opinion. Well, where do you take the opinion and you put him in the game? Man, he plays a different game. Then everybody else is going to mock him and, and run him down. But he says the credit belongs to the man who's actually in the arena, who at best knows in the end the triumph of great achievements, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least he fails while daring greatly. That's what God wants us to do. If you fail and you fall trying to be, run with the, with the giants and become a giant in the faith, it doesn't matter if you fall because the Bible says, he who falls down seven gets up eight, I think it says there, so somewhere. But we're rising up all the time. It's when you lie down is when it's not going to work for you. He says, so this man's place will never be with those cold, timid souls who know neither victory nor defeat. Just plodding along and and. And I'm certain you don't want to be a plodding along Christian tonight. You want to be one of those who run with the giants. Far too many Christians are failing in their spiritual life. And that, unfortunately, is the truth. They think it's spiritual to sidestep and duck and dive trials and difficulties and hardships. When you know, I've got to do this, but, but I, it's not going to be pleasant. It's going to be uncomfortable. Then I avoid it. And let me just tell you, if you do nothing, you get how much? Exactly. You do nothing, you get nothing. We need to understand that, church. I mean, just, just for one minute, think about this for a moment. These giants of the faith who went out and ran before us, and we read them throughout the scriptures, ran before us. You think they would have made a difference if they stayed in their safe zone? If they just decided, we're not going to do this thing. I'm not going to be bold and stand up for Jesus. I'm not going to walk in the character of Christ. I'm not going to stand up in my office and say, I love Jesus and I refuse to do that. I'm going to set an example. People are going to, you're not going to carry pens and, and paperwork home. <laughs> Come to your house and you work for Pit Pompis Marem company. And then there's a lot of Pit Pompis Marem pads and chutas. They shouldn't be there, but we got them at our houses. Uh, integrity. Nah. I know it's not you guys, probably the actually listening to me on the, on the thing there. But it's about integrity. They would never have entered the Hebrews 11 faith, uh, the great faith, uh, uh, whatever you call that thing, the, the, the fame, hall of fame, 
these Hebrews 11 people that the Bible said. Some of these giants who ran before us ran the race in the most horrendously difficult conditions. And you see, the Bible talks about them, and, and he says this just before he says, therefore, he says, we've got this great cloud of witnesses. Just listen to these great cloud of witnesses. I want to refresh you tonight a little bit to hear what people did before for you and I. Because if they didn't, we wouldn't be here tonight. Amen. Now listen what they did here. Hebrews 11, verse 37 through 39. They were put to death by stoning. <laughs> you know, we say they didn't give them so much zol, so they were like stone. No, 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 no. This is, this is a real thing, this. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawn in two. They took them and they cut them in half, literally, for the sake of the Lord Jesus Christ, for standing on their belief and on their faith. They were killed by a sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins. They were destitute, persecuted, mistreated. The world was not even worthy of them. Think about that. The very world that was persecuting and killed them were not even worthy of them. Listen to that. He says, they wandered in deserts and in mountains and they lived in caves and in holes in the ground and they were all commended for their faith. Yet none of them received what had been promised, that Jesus would have come. They expected him. They went through the most horrendous time for the sake of their faith. But Jesus didn't come yet. And he hasn't come yet. He's waiting to come fetch his church with each one of them. The Bible says that, and I'll read that scripture just now. But I'll be, I want you to, to listen to what I've just said here. We sit here tonight. Yes, and we've we got all of these comforts. And, and I want to take you back to my statement. The question really is, will you or won't you? There's not an option. If you love Jesus, then you will make the sacrifices. When you know Jesus, you will be a giant of the faith. Amen. We have all of these comforts and we sit in the pavilion and we're so critical. We judge, we murmur, we have so much offenses, we have so much uh, unforgiveness and bitterness amongst one another. Where people have given their lives and suffered for the sake of the gospel. What are we doing? Church, amen. <laughs> if the wind blows or it rains a little bit, we have a slight little corpse here, we just stay away. We don't come to church, Amen. The latest now when I phone people, I say, Pastor, I'm so busy. Listen, if you're too busy to come to church, you're too busy. Did you hear that? Yeah. And I'll tell you why we're going to be accountable. Listen to this. Hebrews 11 verse 40 says, Since God has planned something better for us, so that only together with us, those giants of the faith, with us, would be made perfect. You see, we were called to run with giants. That's what the Bible says. We need to be men and women, giants of the faith. That's what God desires us. I want to look at a giant tonight, and I could have used many, David, Paul, Joseph, Gideon, uh, Abraham, many, but I want to use Moses, because they, uh, Moses, Noah, because there's such a uniqueness about this dude. And, and it, always, it always puzzles me how God tells him to build a boat. He doesn't even know what a boat is because they've never, they've never had rain that rained. The water was moisture from the earth upwards. And God says, you're going to build a boat and, and this thing's going to float. <laughs> the boat's going to float. And, and Almazi, uh, listen to this. Hebrews 11 verse 7, part of this faith chapter, listen to what he says. By faith, when warned about things not yet seen, please don't miss that. He was warned about things that he hadn't seen yet. 
He wasn't even aware of it. Think about that a little bit. In holy fear, he built an ark. You see, we've been warned about things that we haven't seen yet. Jesus is coming. But we don't have a holy fear. Yeah. Think about it. In holy fear, he built an ark to save his family. By his faith, by his faith, and I repeat it, by his faith. You know what he did? He condemned the world and became heir of righteousness that is in keeping with faith. God used the man. And I'll share with that just now about that. One person makes a life of difference. Let me just say this. If God didn't even find Noah as a righteous man, we would not be here tonight. It would have been the end of humanity. And you'll hear what the scripture says about that. Listen, Genesis 8 verse 21, 22 says, this is after the flood. God smelt the beauty of that, of that fresh, you know, when it just rains, that beautiful fresh smell. And listen to what it says, the Lord smelt that pleasing aroma. And he said in his heart, never again will I curse the ground because of humans, even though every inclination of the human heart is evil from childhood. <laughs> hey, God knew it. But he found something good in a man called Noah. I pray God finds something good in a man and a woman in this church tonight and listening to me that he will be able to use and make a difference. He says, and never again will I destroy all the living creatures that I've done as long as the earth, and listen to what he says, endures. As long as this earth is going to endure until Jesus comes is what he's saying. As long as the sea time and harvest time, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. It will now continue as I've intended it to continue, even though the hearts of these people are evil. Because of the righteousness that this man lived, he saved humanity from extinction. I think when I read the scripture, because I can tell you the problem with the world, it's, it's one word, it's called humanity. Wherever the humans are, there's a groot gemors. It's a problem. I'm telling you. And we're all humans, so wherever we go, we make a gemors. We touch you, we complain, we carry grudges, we walk with unforgiveness, we're miserable, we do things, we say things, we carry on wherever we go. And then we look at the world today, right now as it is, with this whole woke world that we're living in. The leftists, I mean, they've lost it so badly. They don't even know what gender they are anymore. Hello? Let me not go down that road, yeah? Hey? But listen to this. Genesis 6, verse 5 and 8. You imagine God is looking at these dudes that he, that he created in his image. Listen to this. The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on earth. And that every inclination or the thoughts of the human heart was only evil, listen, all of the time. There wasn't even a moment where they even thought a little bit about God. But there was a man. His name was Noah. <laughs> he says, the Lord regretted. Please, yeah, don't miss this. God regretted that he had made the human beings on the earth, and his heart was deeply troubled. So the Lord said, I will wipe out from the face of the earth all human race that I've created, and then, and, and with them, all the animals and the birds and the creatures that move along the ground, for I regret that I have made them. I know there's some people like my wife and Charles and others that would have thought maybe the Lord should have got rid of spiders, but, but he didn't. He 
So they have, a, they have a creative purpose. Listen, guys. Listen. For I regret that I have made them, he says. But Noah found this, and I love this. Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. This is what he rescued humanity from. God was going to annihilate it. Run it out. So tonight, as we run the race with Noah, this giant of the faith, we learn a couple of important lessons. And one of the lessons that we learn here tonight is God knows you and I, listen to me, can make a difference. You and I are difference makers. Say, I'm a difference maker. Because you're a difference maker. Please believe me. He saved you to be a difference for his kingdom. You know, Luke 137, we can never get around it. We'll never be within an excuse. But listen to this. For with God, nothing is ever impossible. And no word from God shall ever be without power or impossible for fulfillment. Also, so he's kind of play, and we begin to love it. Let me tell you something. You will be a battering ram against the powers of darkness, and you'll bring change into the lives of people. So when we run with giants, three things that I want to say that we learn from Noah's life. Number one, you can make a difference for your family. You can make a difference for your family. Listen to this. Live in a life of integrity and obedience to God. When you live that life, all of those that look at you and follow you will be touched by an upright life. You can never fight against uh, obedience and truth and, and, uh, and victory. The enemy cannot do anything about stuff like that. You will always lead by example. Always have the potential to positively impact others. Always have the potential in you to impact others. For the most, we don't see it while we're fighting the good fight of the faith. Sometimes you wonder, is it worth it all? Let me tell you, there are people watching you. Carry on. Persevere, church. Keep doing it for Jesus. Why? Because giants make a difference in their family. One man's obedience brought in his whole family. Listen to this. Genesis 7 verse 1. And the Lord said to Noah, Go into the ark, and you and your whole family, because I have found you righteous in this generation. I created this generation, but only you. You go into the ark. God is looking for faithful men and women that will rise up. Firstly, you can make a difference in your family. Secondly, God knows you can make a difference into the future generation. Amen? And we need to be conscious about that, church. It doesn't matter how old you are. We don't have anybody with walkers here yet. Thank you, Jesus. But the fact of the matter is we need to understand that there's a generation coming And when I look at the condition of the generation worldwide, it is a sick picture. And and I'm sorry I've got to say this, but it's a fact. A lot of that failure starts in the home. (laughs) It does. God knows you can make a difference for the future generation. And and I just read the story of this 80-year-old man. He's planting an apple orchard, and he's he's putting these little saplings in the ground. And he has this young little yupsnut looking at him, laughing at him, and he wants to ask the old man, and eventually he asks the old man, he says, do you expect to eat apples from those trees that you're busy planting? I mean, he's an 80-year-old man. The old man looks at him like this. He says, no, son. He says, but somebody will. And you see... The way I live my life, I can make a difference to the generation that's coming. People can look at you. 
Are you going to be a giant of the faith? That's the question. Because of our actions, because of our perseverance, because of our enthusiasm for Jesus, for counting the cost, for paying the price, for sowing the seeds of God's goodness in life, we will have an effect on those around us and those who come behind us. Amen.